I'm Andrew Schweitzer, and you're listening to the Boxing for Free podcast. I was planning on doing a podcast last week, except there was only one problem. I had no voice. And uh, I think I'm the only person in Calgary who happened to be getting a summer cold at the time. And unfortunately, what was left of my voice was probably similar to what you'd expect uh, Marge Simpson to sound like if she got a sex change and wasn't, you know, keeping up with her hormone therapy. It was it was just all over the place. And also, like, imagine Marge also had throat cancer, too, while she's going through this awful sex change and not keeping up with her hormone therapy. But anyway, uh, got my voice back now. It sounds as awful and disgusting as ever. So uh, let's get into the big boxing news. And Terrence Crawford, this guy is not the best fighter in the world. He's certainly among the best fighters in the world, but he's not number one. But I think he has the potential to be the biggest star in boxing. I watched his fight against Julius Ndongo uh, a couple days ago. I unfortunately, I had to go back to work that Saturday night, but I watched it when I got home. Just listen to the ovation that he got in uh, Lincoln, Nebraska, and uh, Crawford's from Omaha, but just just listen to the ovation that he got, and you think, oh my god, the guy's going places. Started from the bottom now. He enters the ring an undefeated world champion with 31 victories. 22 of those victories coming by way of KO. Universally recognized as pound for pound one of the best fighters in the world. Defending his WBO and WBC junior welterweight titles. Born, bred, and ripping Omaha, Nebraska. Terrence Bud Crawford. And all throughout the fight, they were chanting his name, Crawford, Crawford. And it wasn't just some little, you know, it, it wasn't his entourage trying to build momentum. No, the, it... The entourage did not need to build momentum at all. It was already built, and Crawford lived up to it. I mean, I'm not going to slam Ndongo too much, but he came to fight, but unfortunately, he was he was way out of his league against Crawford, and you can see it. I can see it, too. I'm, I'm watching the replays, and I'm thinking, okay, he, he seems a bit wild in there, and also, at times, it seemed like he was telegraphing his punches. I could see them coming. And I just thought, oh, yeah, no, I, I can see why this fight is not going to last long. And the, the evidence was clear of that in round two. Crawford drops in Dongo, and crowd is just going nuts. And you can tell that uh, he, he set up with this uh, nice body shot, too. And that was going to sort of be a preview for what would happen in the third round. Just lands this beautiful beautiful body shot and when i saw that i actually i could feel that and i'm not even the one getting hit i'm in another country watching it and i felt that in two different ways
All the credit in the world to Terrence Crawford for stepping up in such a big manner on such a big occasion. I mean, he's the guy at 140 pounds. He's got all the belts. I mean, when you talk about who is the 140-pound champion, there's no debate. It's Terrence Bud Crawford. And he did it with such a beautiful, masterful performance. Probably one of the most uh, fan-friendly performances we've seen from him. I don't want to say in a while, but it's probably it's probably his best performance. Like that's a fight that I'm gonna watch a, a few more times today. Since I'm not working, and, you know, I'm kind of bored. Although I do have to finish Marvel's new Defender series on Netflix. Anyway, I'm getting off track. Um, the post-fight interview, I thought, you know what, good, he, you know, comes off really nice. Only thing I wanted to hear was maybe, well, you know what, I'll uh, I'll play the post-fight interview and maybe see if you can guess what I wanted him to say. And now everybody wants to know what's next. Is there unfinished business at 140 now that you have the all the belts, or is 147 in the? Uh, future for you? Well, I'm going fishing next, and then I'm going to rest up with my family, and then my coaches and my managers, they're going to see what's next for me. How important is it to share this with your children, to be able to drape those belts around them and to share this moment? What they told me before I fought, they said, Daddy, you going to bring his belts home? I said, you already know I'm going to bring his belts home. And now they got belts around their necks, just like me. Terrence Crawford sitting on top of the world here in Lincoln, Nebraska, where the fans showed up and Terrence Crawford showed out. Did he ever? I wanted to hear the name Mikey Garcia. <clears throat> I just, the more I think about a fight between Terrence Crawford and Mikey Garcia, I mean, if you guys thought I was going to cream my pants over uh, Garcia versus Broner. Okay, yeah, maybe I oversold the hype for that a bit too much, but good God, people. Imagine what Terrence Crawford versus Mikey Garcia would be. That would be, I think that'd be like high-speed chess. I, I'm not expecting a Hagler-Hearns-type brawl, but I'm expecting a very tactical and somewhat exciting fight. I mean, uh, I, I've seen fights that I would describe as, you know, kind of like speed chess in, in terms of boxing, but I still found them exciting. One of them being uh, Timothy Bradley versus Juan Manuel Marquez, and we'll talk about those two later in the show. But if, if a fight between Mikey Garcia and Terrence Crawford isn't made within the next year, I'm going to be very pissed. But at the moment, uh, looking at Terrence Crawford's performance, not pissed at all. If he decides to move up to 147 pounds, that's going to be interesting. Uh, if Manny Pacquiao is smart, once he's done, if he gets this rematch, rather, with Jeff Horn, he'll say, okay, that's it. Now I'm going to go concentrate on being senator or whatever the hell he wants to do with politics. I don't know. I I just hope that... Uh, I really want to see, pa not Pacquiao, jeez, I want to see Crawford versus Mikey Garcia. I think that's one of the best fights that could be made in 2018. Moving on, so many retirements from the sport of boxing recently, uh, and there have been three major ones 
that I want to talk about in some detail. Uh, those are Vladimir Klitschko, Juan Manuel Marquez, and Timothy Bradley. I would talk about Shane Mosley, but if I can be perfectly honest, Shane Mosley's retirement was a long time coming. And the fact that he's announced it now, instead of back maybe in, I don't know, 2010 after he lost to Floyd Mayweather, I, I don't know. I just th felt that uh, ever since the Mayweather fight, Shea Mosley just kept uh, getting meaningless victories and even more humiliating defeats. And, you know, his retirement, like I said, it was a long time coming. I hope that uh, he enjoys retirement. But let's talk uh, first about the steel hammer, Dr. Vladimir Klitschko. It seemed that he was on the road to a rematch with Anthony Joshua and that the fight was going to be taking place in Las Vegas. But out of the blue, Klitschko announced his retirement on his website. In fact, the announcement got so much attention to the website that it crashed the website momentarily. But uh, I'm going to play for you Klitschko's retirement video. 27 years ago, I started my journey in sport. And it was the best choice of a profession I could have ever made. Because of this choice, I've traveled the world, learned new languages, created businesses, built intellectual properties, helped people in need, became scientist, entrepreneur, motivator, hotelier, trainer, investor, and much else. I was and I'm still capable of doing all this because of the global appeal of sport of boxing. My own talent and mostly importantly because of you, my loyal fans. At some point in our lives, we need to, or just want to, switch our careers and get ourselves ready for the next chapter and chart a new course toward fresh challenges. Obviously, I'm not an exception to this. And now is my turn. I'm honestly doing this with greatest respect for the new challenges, but also with tremendous excitement, passion, dedication, expecting and hoping that my next career, which I've already been planning and working on for some years, will be at least as successful as my previous one, if not even more successful. Finally, instead of just saying, hey, thanks and goodbye, I want you to continue join me in this new and exciting journey. When we're together, we're more creative, more efficient, more productive, and simply stronger in every way. Together, we're the driving force. It's a good speech from Klitschko. I'm very curious as to what is next, though. What does he have on the horizon? What has he been planning for some time, like he hinted at? He's, he's still a relatively young guy, 41 years old. Doesn't sound punch drunk at all. If anything, he kind of sounds like a... Almost a bit like a diet Schwarzenegger. You know, he, he's still got that accent, but you can still understand what he's saying. I can't say the same thing for Schwarzenegger. I love the guy, but, you know. Anyway, so my overall thoughts on Vladimir Klitschko. I think underappreciated in his own time, but I imagine maybe five to ten years from now, we're going to be looking back at him and saying, wow, 
this guy really was one of the great heavyweight champions of all time. He held the title for 10 years. He uh, surpassed Larry Holmes, becoming the uh, second longest reigning heavyweight champion of all time. And the only person to uh, beat that record uh, over Klitschko is Joe Lewis. And I don't think that's a record that's ever going to be broken, but that's just my opinion. Are there some knocks on Klitschko? Absolutely. His style was not always fan-friendly. The knockouts that he delivered after the end of some very boring fights, yeah, those were. But you wanted to see more of that uh, more of those knockouts, more of that action a lot earlier in the fight instead of just the uh, paw, right-hand grab, paw, right-hand grab that uh, became standard. But at the same time, I think about something I uh, read from Azim uh, Richardson many years ago on the Rings website, and that was, you know, if you look at everything that Klitschko has, because people talk about him having a glass chin and being boring, but at the same time, nobody can beat this guy. And I recall very clearly Richardson was saying that he holds Klitschko up there among Joe Lewis and Muhammad Ali as one of the greatest heavyweight champions of all time, because if he's got such a, this huge weakness, how come nobody can beat him? Why is it that everybody who steps in the ring with him is more or less dismantled? Now, was, uh, I mean, if anything, that kind of makes what Tyson Fury and Anthony Joshua did a lot more special, but if I can be honest, the, the Tyson Fury fight is boring to watch, where the Anthony Joshua fight, you really saw that, oh my god, yes, you know, this guy is great. This is this is the kind of performance that he can deliver, and he lo- like he loses. But good God, it's probably the best of his career. It's too bad that he didn't get to finish his career with a win. He once again one of those champions that keeps going and going, but uh, went going for, uh, went on for too long, and it huh, the, the, the fight with Josh with Joshua is probably the leading candidate for fight of the year, which is great for heavyweight boxing and needs a boost like that. Um, I I hope that Joshua can keep that momentum going. I wish Klitschko all the best. I'm sure that he is a first ballot Hall of Famer, and I do regard him as one of the the great heavyweight champions of all time. I'm not good at making lists, so please don't ask me to rank the greatest heavyweight champions of all time. If I were to make a, a list like that, Muhammad Ali definitely is going to be number one, okay? But uh, that's that. Timothy Bradley also announced his retirement from the sport. Uh, Bradley issued a lengthy statement. I, I, I kind of wish that he had released a video too. That way I could play it here. I'm not going to read his statement, but more or less what it comes down to with Bradley is he's been... Uh, boxing for over 20 years and you know that's both as an amateur and a professional and it gave him purpose it defined him but now he wants to dedicate his time to his family and you know what if he wants to do that fine I think that Timothy Bradley's uh, accomplished quite a bit in the sport I remember back in 2008 uh, before his fight with Junior Witter 
and I just thought, well, maybe I'll see what, I can, what fight footage I can find on this guy, and what little I could find, and I, I hadn't seen a lot of uh, Junior Witter, to be honest, but when I watched Bradley, I thought, I think this guy has a chance, and lo and behold, he does, and I, I kind of became a fan of him. I uh, I really became a fan, though, when I watched his fight against Kendall Holt, and the way he got knocked down in the first round, it was just this big, beautiful left hook from Kendall Holt. Bradley looks like he's unconscious or losing consciousness as he's going down, and yet somehow he's able to get back up and win the fight very clearly, in my opinion. It, it just showed what what this guy was made of, and he, he did that every time he fought. Even when, yeah, okay, l l let's talk about the elephant in the room, so to speak, and that is the first fight with Manny Pacquiao. Now, to my credit, leading up to that fight, and I, I was very excited about that fight, I picked Timothy Bradley to win. And uh, I think, if I, if I recall correctly, I did pick him by split decision, too. But, yeah, even I think, okay, well, technically my prediction was right, but I really wish it wasn't. But I, I think I directed a lot of uh, anger at that decision unnecessarily at him. I think a lot of other boxing fans did and uh, did so a lot more. Uh, with a lot more rancor and uh, hatred. I mean, uh, he was. I, I felt bad for Bradley afterwards when I read that uh, he was so upset by it that he was almost suicidal. But he really uh, redeemed himself in uh, his following fight with Ruslan Provodnikov, which was surely a candidate for fight of the year that year. <coughs> and like I said uh, earlier in the episode... His uh, his fight with Juan, Juan Manuel Marquez, who we'll get to later. I thought that was a great fight. That uh, that uh, fight actually, that fight came out uh, a few weeks after Canelo Alvarez's first loss to Floyd Mayweather. And even though this uh, was an extremely tactical fight, I still found it very exciting to watch. I I really enjoyed. It. I thought that I really got uh, my money's worth. I I don't agree with Marquez that he got robbed, in all honesty, but uh, he he, really, he always came to fight, every time, and for a while, in, in the rematch with Pacquiao, when, at, at a certain point, I, I was scoring the fight, and I thought, oh, wow, if Bradley keeps fighting the way he does, uh, he's going to win, and then Manny was able to turn things around for him, which, again, shows how good Manny Pacquiao is. And uh, it would have been nice if Bradley did get some bigger fights after Pacquiao. I, I thought that uh, fighting Jesse Vargas was maybe a bit beneath him. Certainly Brandon Rio. Although I, I will admit, I was glad that he... Well, not glad, but I was satisfied. More than satisfied. Pleasantly satisfied that he knocked out Brandon Rios the way he did. And, of course, that gave us him teaming up with Teddy Atlas, the whole we are firemen thing. 
that that's kind of my regret about Bradley's retirement. I, I just wish, oh, can't we just have one more fight, Timothy, with you and, and, and Teddy in the corner and him shouting something to you about what profession you are and how this reflects in the fights. I want to hear, you know, I want to hear something good. I mean, come on, Teddy. What what are you going to be this fight? Gynecologist? Are you going to be marine biologist? Something. <laughs> Oh, I would pay Teddy Atlas a lot of money just to hear him shout, we are gynecologists. <laughs> uh, but anyway, all, all the credit in the world to Tim Bradley. I hope that he enjoys retirement. Uh, he does do some uh, analysis on ESPN for their boxing cards, so I hope he keeps that up. I think he does a decent job at it. And, uh, yeah, if he comes back, I hope, you know, he's only 33. That's only two years older than me, and I kind of look at myself, and I think, Jesus Christ, I am so pathetic compared to Tim Bradley. But if he does decide to come back, I mean, his choice, I, I just hope that uh, he's, he's uh, content in retirement and can enjoy the time with his family. And finally, that brings us to Juan Manuel Marquez, who also announced his retirement from the sport of boxing recently. This one, this one was a long time coming too, but not in the same way that Shane Mosley's was. With Shane Mosley, he would just keep getting a fight against somebody who you knew he was going to beat. Because, you know, they probably had like 21 victories and six or seven defeats, something like that. And you, you, you look at that and you think, okay, Shane's going to beat this guy. Or Shane had a rematch with Ricardo Mayorga. And everybody knows that Ricardo Mayorga is Mr. Tune-Up. If you want to look good, you fight Ricardo Mayorga. But with uh, Marquez, ever since uh, 2014, his final fight against Mike Alvarado, there was nothing. I kept hearing things about, oh, he's going to fight Miguel Cotto, and I just, I thought that was a very unnecessary fight, and I thought Cotto must be disgustingly desperate to uh, get a victory over a Mexican superstar to please the Puerto Rican fan base he has, but I I just thought, okay, maybe, maybe Marquez should have stopped after the Bradley fight, but what was after the Tim Bradley fight was a fight with Mike Alvarado. And that was only seven months later. But it seemed that after the Alvarado fight, there was nothing for There was nothing for him. I mean, did, did we really want to see a fifth fight with Manny Pacquiao? I certainly didn't. After, after the fourth fight, I thought, okay, that's it. We don't need to see anything else. And no matter what you say about Juan Manuel Marquez... I think he's a bit of a crybaby too much sometimes, always going on about how he was robbed, he was robbed. I don't think he was robbed against Timothy Bradley. I think that the Manny Pacquiao fights uh, with the, okay, the third one, yeah, there's a very good case, but the first and the second one, <coughs> I think they're very close fights, but this, despite all that, you cannot take away the fourth fight against Pacquiao in 2012. Whenever I mention Juan Manuel Marquez or Manny Pacquiao, my dad, 
will always bring up that fight. It's one of his favorite sporting memories of life for him. He's uh, he's in his 60s, so he's seen quite a bit in his time, but he will never forget that fight because we'd, uh, we'd wanted to see it, and we go to this sports club. There are all these Filipinos there. It's the whole place is bouncing. Everybody's cheering for Pacquiao and that that knockout punch that Marquez delivered right on the kisser. The the perfect shot. And oh I I just re- I just remember thinking when that shot landed cuz if you go back and watch the fight, as soon as the bell rings, then the punch lands. And I thought for a second, oh my God, are they going to disqualify him and say he hit him after the bell? And then when I saw Kenny Bayless wave his arms like that, it, it just seemed like all the noise died in the sports bar and everybody everybody kind of entered this state of shock and mourning because nobody expected that to happen Uh with Manny Pacquiao and Juan Manuel, Juan Manuel Marquez did it. And I think that might have been the best time to retire. But that's just me. I mean, then again, if you knock out Manny Pacquiao the way you do in six rounds, like you probably think that you're invincible, that you're on top of the world. Why would you want to stop now? But that's just me. Either way, one note about Marquez, though. Uh, compared to Klitschko, Bradley, and even Shane Mosley, he is the only one of them to end his career with a victory. And like I said, his uh, final victory was in May of 2014 against Mike Alvarado. Alvarado just didn't have a chance. And if you actually watch that fight, um, Bradley lands this beautiful, beautiful right hand, and I'm surprised he didn't... Uh, keep Alvarado down but not that it did any good to get up but regardless uh I wish him all the best in retirement and that's all I have to say about that I would wrap the podcast up here but unfortunately there's some there's crap I have to talk about and that crap is (coughs) That, that cough was actually unnecessary. I really don't want to talk about Conor McGregor versus Floyd Mayweather. God damn it, I just don't want to. I didn't hurt my hand pounding the table. Don't worry about me. I'm, I'm tough. This fight, this Conor McGregor versus Floyd Mayweather, this is the boxing equivalent to a fidget spinner. Okay, you see people with those fidget spinners, they're complete idiots, they look like jackasses, and you think, what the hell is so great about this? You're an idiot. Okay, and that's what I think about people who are legitimately excited about this. I think you are willing to shill out your hard-earned money during these tough economic times. I mean, I'm doing okay economically, I can't speak for everyone else, but it's kind of like, hey, you know, I made quite a bit of money on my last paycheck i'm not hurting but i'm thinking about the people who have to work two or three jobs just to pay rent and i think you're this excited 
about a fight between the best pure boxer of his generation against a complete novice. A guy who looks like he's possessed by a demon when he's warming up. Have you seen those Conor McGregor warm-up? I mean, I've seen more people making fun of him than anything else. But what's my prediction for this fight? My prediction for Conor McGregor versus Floyd Mayweather is that anybody who buys it is going to feel ripped off probably by the middle of the second round. Okay? You're going to feel ripped off. You're going to feel like Conor McGregor and Floyd Mayweather have bent you over a table and... Oh, I'm getting uh, an email from Justin now. He says, don't say anything derogatory on this podcast. We're trying to, you know... Oh, apparently we're trying to cater to all ages. Well, okay, so I I have to end my analogy there then. But you kind of get what I'm saying or was attempting to say, do not buy this pay-per-view, all right? If you feel that you have to, then you better go in with it with some friends. Have them all converge at your place, or you go to their place, and all of you chip in for the pay-per-view, so you have to pay as little as possible for this, all right? Or just go to a sports bar. Your Chances are you'll have... Uh, a more fun time drinking the beer and hitting on the waitress who really just wants to get through her shift without having her ass treated like a pincushion. I don't know where that came from. But anyway, do not buy into the uh, the disgusting and stupid rhetoric of Floyd Mayweather of if you stream this fight, you're taking food off of my children's plates. Dude, you're making $300 million for this fight. If your children are still going to starve after you've earned $300 million for this fight, plus all the hundreds of million dollars you got for your other fights, then you're an idiot and your children kind of deserve to starve at that point. It's kind of like, okay, if if you can't feed your kids with the money that you have, then your children were doomed from the start. That's just my opinion, okay? I'm not going to watch the fight. I am going to be working. I am going to be earning money. Not as much money as Floyd Mayweather or Conor McGregor, but uh, what is my honest-to-God prediction for this fight, other than the fact that people are going to be bored by the middle of the second round? (sighs) Mayweather. Let's say Mayweather by knockout in six, because I don't know. Maybe I just want to start the next episode making fun of myself for this prediction. If it turns out I'm right, I, I like I said, I've got a, a great sound clip for when I actually get a prediction right, but that hasn't happened yet, which is a real pity. But maybe it'll happen this time. Maybe not. Anyway, that's my prediction for this, and that's all we have for you this week. I can tell you that there will be a new podcast possibly next week. After the whole Mayweather-McGregor fiasco. And if if in the off chance that Conor McGregor wins, uh, well, boxing's had its fair share of black eyes over the decades. I'm sure that, I'm sure that it'll be able to survive that. I just hope that uh, we can survive that. Anyway, that's all we have for you this week.
We hope you enjoyed the latest edition of the Boxing for Free podcast. You can find us online at www.boxingforfree.com. That's boxing, the number four, free.com. Twitter.com slash boxing for free. Be like Arislandi Lara, Robert Guerrero, Berman Stavern, Miller Adzizic, Adonis Stevenson, Glenn Johnson. Wow, that's a lot of famous boxers and hundreds of others. And follow us on Twitter. Go to youtube.com slash boxing for free and like us on Facebook. Go to facebook.com slash boxing for free page. You can subscribe on iTunes, Podbean, and several other podcast directories. If you use iTunes, give us a review and let everyone know that the Boxing for Free podcast is your source for boxing news and commentary. I'm Andrew Schweitzer. Thank you for listening, and we hope you tune in next time. You get nothing. You lose. Good day, sir.